Hello and welcome to the Headache Doctor podcast. Today we are going to talk about the pain pathway involved with headaches and migraines and what medication does to that pathway. Now we've talked a lot about the underlying mechanism of this neck injury that's overlooked. We've talked about the different triggers and how that will mess with your body's threshold or increase the neck tension, the actual source of pain. And this is going to be a little bit of a deeper dive into how your body actually picks up that pain signal and then sends it through the brain stem into the brain and how it's perceived as coming from your head or your face. Now, this is one of the most confusing parts of headaches and then migraines specifically because the Western medicine model and uh, the medical doctor has and still holds to the idea that migraines are primarily a vascular problem. And so I'm going to explain why that is. And then we're going to look at the different types of medication and what their mechanism is on kind of a surface level. And then we're going to talk about the latest and greatest, these uh, CGRP drugs. Um, And again, kind of their mechanism. And then I'm going to explain why in my practice and what I do if this truly is a vascular problem should have no effect but it actually does and how that impacts how we view headaches and migraines now. So without further ado let's start with this sort of pain pathway that uh, starts in our neck and ends up in our brain. So we've talked about the initial injury and I'll just quick review that but let's say you have some sort of head or neck trauma or your neck over time will lose its mobility and that's the tissues in the neck sort of adaptively shortening to prolonged poor posturing uh, or things like that. So for whatever reason you have this neck injury that results in loss of movement to the neck, those muscles, those tissues, the tendons, ligaments around the joint that are used to moving, expanding and contracting are now just in an adaptively shortened state. Now they don't like that and so what happens is there's inflammation, there's irritation in that joint because you're going about your day still trying to move but that one specific joint is not doing its job. And so the muscles get aggravated, those tissues get aggravated. So that inflammation occurs, the irritation in that joint occurs and then there's a pain signal that's sent. Now this is where we get into triggers and thresholds. Sometimes you realize that pain signal, sometimes you don't because your body's able to kind of deal with it. So if you are realizing that pain signal, what's happening is it's being sent from the upper part of your neck. And then what you have to understand is how pain is perceived is in large part a subjective thing. So because one person hits their elbow and another person hits their elbow the same exact way, they might experience pain differently. And there's lots of lots of factors that will play into that and it gets confusing. But what you need to understand is in medicine or especially in physical therapy when we're looking at the musculoskeletal system and trying to interpret, okay, this patient has pain, what is the underlying problem? If we just take pain itself and and make the diagnosis, that's oftentimes going to lead to a misdiagnosis and this is what's happening with migraines. So that pain signal from the neck is actually being picked up by sensory nerves from the upper cervical spine and specifically anywhere from the base of the skull to C1, C2, and even C3. 
So it's those first three vertebrae, those first three bones in the neck that have kind of this common sensory nerve that's going to pick up any pain signal in that region and travel into the brainstem. Now this is where it gets uh, a little bit complicated and I don't want to use, I don't want to uh, confuse anyone, but it's important to understand this word trigeminal. The trigeminal nerve is possibly something you've heard of, maybe trigeminal neuralgia. Sometimes that's a diagnosis given when it's believed that there's a the trigeminal nerve, which is a sensory nerve in the face and the head, is inflamed. And it presents as a very, very severe pain, uh, headache, typically one-sided, and it can be kind of in the temple or behind the eye. And that, that can be diagnosed as trigeminal neuralgia. What that's referring to is this trigeminal nerve that is picking up any sort of sensation from the head or the face. And that trigeminal nerve has three different branches. So it has a branch that kind of uh, is, think of it as like temple eye, and then there's one that's kind of the cheekbone, and then one that's more in the jaw or the mandible. And so those three branches all come together uh, and they meet in a nucleus. It's called the trigeminal cervical nucleus. Now this is very, very important to understand because in this nucleus, think of it as like a hub. So if you uh, are driving on the freeway and you have this like carpool parking lot, think of it as like these two roads intersecting and, the, and they intersect and they meet up in this parking lot. So the one road is the trigeminal nerve and that's the, the head and the face, any sensation, any signals from the head or the face. And then the other nerve is this C0, C1, C2, C3. So the upper part of the neck or the base of the skull. Now those two roads meet up in this trigeminal cervical nucleus. So this uh, carpool parking lot. And, and then they, from there, will kind of think of it as like everyone getting in a big bus and driving to uh, the brain. So it, it sends one common signal to the brain. And this is why pain is so subjective because we don't actually realize the sensation until it uh, hits our cerebral cortex. And so in, until it hits our brain, we don't realize what is happening. And so it's very important to understand that those that convergence is what we call it of these two nerve pathways in that trigeminal cervical nucleus. And then they send one common signal to the brain is why headaches and migraines can be so confusing. Now, what happens is the trigeminal nerve will get blamed and the head or facial pain will be looked at as being independent from the neck, from that C1, 2, 3 nerve pathway that's meeting up in the trigeminal cervical nucleus. The neck is basically ignored um, because the pain is what's diagnosed and the pain is oftentimes in the head and so it's assumed that since it's the head it's got to be the brain it's got to be something blood vessels in the brain it's got to be the dura it's got to be something in the brain or in the head that's the problem and so because it's assumed that the neck isn't even involved and it's in large part because this connection between those two sensory nerves is misunderstood uh, or not well understood um, the MRI, CT scan, x-rays are really looking at anything that can go wrong in the head. Now, a kind of a side note here is it's not that all headaches or migraines are due to this. 
many, many of them are, and, and many migraines and headaches are misdiagnosed, and that's why I'm so passionate about this. But the medical doctor tends to be on the more conservative side. They don't want there to be the one-off misdiagnosis that they end up you know, potentially getting sued for or something like that. So it's almost like they're trained to assume the worst. And so oftentimes the MRIs and CT scans are looking for the thing that is actually wrong and causing increased pressure in in the brain or um, is irritating the dura or is in inflammation or a virus or, or a bacteria that's actually irritating the tissues in the brain. But I want you to rest assured that most likely that is not you. And most likely your primary care doctor will, will rule that out because that's kind of what they jump to oftentimes when they hear of pain in the head. And so this is oftentimes misdiagnosed because of the misunderstanding or, or neglect to understand that the neck can be a part of that. Now, if a provider does know that there's that pathway from the neck, what they might often do is screen the neck. But the problem is that that screening process is not specific enough. So they will have you turn your head left and right. They'll have you look up and down and side bend. And basically what best practice is, if you look in the journals, is that if they have full range of motion, which almost 90% of the people I see have full range of motion, there's no significant limitation, then they'll basically say, well, the neck is not a problem. Now, what what I know and what we know from uh, looking at the neck is that the upper cervical spine, even if it's restricted, even if it's not moving at all, the mid portion of the neck can pick up the slack. And I talk about this in my podcast on um, neck pain and how to manage it. There's a lot of mid-neck problems that come about because of this loss of movement in the upper part of the neck. So it's important to understand that a lot of physicians or a lot of um, providers don't understand this connection to the neck. And if they do, um, they're likely not evaluating it like they should or giving it as much weight as they should. So when it comes to medication and the diagnosis or the train of thought that the medical doctor is trained into or believes to be true, and this is true for neurologists. I was actually talking to a neurosurgeon uh, the other day who was kind of arguing with me about this. But if you think about medication and the interactions it has with our body, so medication is a systemic thing. And what's happening is at the cellular chemical level, it's either it's blocking receptors, it's acting like um, serotonin, a hormone, uh, on different receptors. And so it's just kind of artificially putting our body through its, its own natural processes or systems that will relieve pain. But it's not a natural process. It's not something our body naturally does. And so that's why we get into side effects. Um, the other thing, too, is it's not specific to the actual source of pain and affects everything. So just a quick kind of run through of these medications. The first line, and this is just the abortive type medications where you take them uh, as soon as possible when the pain uh, occurs. And so you have like the over-the-counter analgesics. You have the antiemetics, which are kind of the anti-nausea type drugs. Um, you have ergot alkaloids and then these uh, triptans. So these are these are classifications of drugs, and those triptans are probably one of the most common, like migraine, uh, we'll call them migraine-specific drugs. And basically what it's doing, it's acting as a, a, as a serotonin agonist. Now what that means is it kind of like mimics what serotonin would do. And serotonin has an effect 
on blood vessels. It has an effect on like how we how we perceive pain. It's kind of a feel good hormone, and so there are benefits to triptans, and uh, it's most effective when you can take it within two hours. Now, both the triptans and then when we get into the preventative type meds, you look at beta blockers, calcium channel blockers, which are traditionally prescribed as like blood pressure regulators or heart medications, those types of things. And so again, we see this interaction with the migraine drugs that seem to work and the blood vessels um, and interacting with the blood vessels. And so the natural thought is that because these medications work and because it seems like the blood vessels in what's called the dura, this sort of sheath or tissue that surrounds the brain, um, it must be a blood vessel problem. And so because if, if it wasn't a blood vessel problem, these, these treatments, these medications wouldn't work. And so it's kind of this reverse reasoning where they treat kind of through trial and error. And if that medication works, then it's assumed, well, it must have been a blood vessel thing. There must have been irritation, inflammation to those different blood vessels. And so what's been described is this trigeminal vascular system, which is basically what is described as the mechanism behind a migraine, where the blood vessels in the brain are basically like becoming hypersensitive. And and it's it's really just calming down those blood vessels. And that's where they'll say you'll get, you know, like the pounding sensation, you can feel the pulse in your head, that type of thing. Now, I, I understand that reasoning and it's I'm not to say that that's completely wrong, but I think what's happening is if you think about, if you understand pain, and this is the most important part, if you understand how our body responds to pain, you'll learn that our system responds to chronic pain, so pain over longer periods of time, pain that our body repeatedly experiences, pain that our brain continues to pick up on that nerve pathway. Our brain actually adapts to that. It learns that that pain signal is going to be coming. It's called neuroplasticity. Our brain is always learning and changing. Those neurons that are sending that pain signal are getting stronger, and then that pain signal continues to be sent. And so what happens is there's a increase or like a, a, a bolstering of that pain signal to our brain. And so that pain signal can be a, a hyper sensitivity, a hyper response. The other thing it does, if our brain is perceiving that pain as coming from the head or the face, those nerve pathways, that trigeminal nerve, and again, this is uh, the trigeminal cervical nucleus also has intervention or sensory nerves that are connected to the blood vessels in that dura. So they're all kind of connecting in this trigeminal cervical nucleus. So what happens is the brain gets this chronic pain like hypersensitivity to this signal. It thinks it's coming from the trigeminal nerve or maybe from that sensory pathway from those blood vessels in the dura and it becomes hypersensitive. Now again, there's nothing wrong with with your head or your face there's there's nothing wrong with the blood vessels in your brain but the brain is perceiving the pain as coming from there and so what they see is this response within the blood vessels or potentially if the pain gets bad enough the sensory nerve can actually manifest itself within this hypersensitivity in other ways we see this with uh with pain in other areas of the body where uh, it's called chronic regional pain syndrome. And I'm not saying that every migraine patient has chronic regional pain syndrome, but we have to take that and understand that pain can pop up. And even though there's not 
So let's say in chronic regional pain syndrome, if someone sprains their ankle, what happens is their ankle doesn't heal and it just becomes inflamed and red and hypersensitive and swollen. You can look at it and you can see that there's a problem and it just doesn't heal and it, it becomes worse and worse and worse. And the pain response basically just takes over. The initial injury maybe wasn't that bad, but that pain signal, that automatic sort of feedback loop of pain just becomes hypersensitive. And so what happens is not only is the neck a problem, but now the the central nervous system and how it's perceiving this pain is confused. It's not knowing where the pain is coming from. And sometimes it's uh, causing other problems outside of just this neck issue. But I think the most important thing is to understand that pain itself is a, a subjective thing and pain itself cannot be used to diagnose. And so what I do in my practice is I don't assume that because someone has certain symptoms that that automatically means, oh, this is just a blood vessel problem and you just need to take trip downs for the rest of your life. I will look at their neck and see if there's been an overlooked injury to their neck that was likely the initial cause of this type of pain. And then what happens is these patients who have been diagnosed by several neurologists, have maybe even traveled around the state or the country looking for relief, that have migraines, that have tried all these medications and it hasn't really worked, they'll come to me and I'll work on their neck and it will get better. So if if you didn't understand anything else, just understand that I work probably 90% of the time with patients that have been diagnosed with migraines by a neurologist and is assumed that medication is the only option and they get better. And this is not like a little bit better. This is profoundly better. This is better than any of the new CGRP drugs offers, which is really just reducing your migraine days in half. And so this is something that I I think if neurologists would take this seriously, we need to step back and rethink the mechanism, the pathophysiology, as we call it, of migraines. Because if it truly wasn't just a, a blood vessel issue, uh, what I do would have no effect. Now, I do not start a business. I do not uh, have this podcast and spend my career dedicated on this if it doesn't work. The reason I'm so passionate about it is because it does work and this neck injury is overlooked. Now, lastly, I I said I'd talk about um, the CGRP drugs. So basically, these CGRP drugs, like I've said with these other drugs, are shutting off. They're interacting with that pain pathway and shutting off a specific protein from interacting with a receptor. And this, this protein in this pain pathway is commonly seen with migraines. Now, one of the things that this these CGRP drugs kind of want to claim is like, oh my, like we've cured, we've found the problem and we've cured it. I don't believe that to be true because one, even though this CGRP pathway or these inhibitors do seem to be more effective than other drugs for migraines, they do not solve the problem for every patient. Like I said, they're only about 50% effective, I believe, is what they're um, claiming. And the that pain pathway or this type of drug is not just specific to migraines. We've actually seen this type of pathway or protein interacting in pain signals in like hip arthritis and things like that. Um, so it's really just another way of shutting off pain that our body would have otherwise perceived. Now we have to ask ourselves, why is the pain there? 
why is there pain in the first place? And I don't believe that it's just this, this chemical process or this blood vessel issue that doesn't have an initial trigger, that doesn't have an initial type of, of uh, stimulant that's uh, causing all of this. Now, the last thing I'll say is that the reason, another reason I'm so passionate about what I do and I don't understand why people won't at least try it is because putting another pill in your body is going to be more harmful than me working on your neck uh, for a half hour or an hour. And most patients will realize or see improvement within one visit. And so the, the risk involved is so, so low and the upside is huge. I mean, it's these patients are finding 80-90% relief within a couple month period. So I, I encourage anyone with headaches or migraines to not rule yourself out and to give this a try because the upside is is huge. It could be life-changing. And then the risk involved is we go a couple sessions and it doesn't seem to be a good fit for you. Um, and then you can kind of move on and have better information or better understanding of your headaches and migraines. That situation is very rare though. I do believe that most every headache and migraine can be solved to some extent uh, with this process. So there you go. I hope you find that helpful. Follow us on Instagram or Facebook. I have a TikTok page that's done really well. And then uh, reach out to us and book a free discovery visit if you want to actually get started with this treatment. I'm Dr. Taves, and it's my mission to empower everyone with headaches and migraines to break free from a life of fear and dependence and thrive in everything they do. Thanks for listening.